the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. We covered the state of the Steelers offense in our earlier episode of Steelers Sam that was dropped with this three-episode dump in your face. Go check that out if you missed it at Steelers.com. On this episode, we're talking about that defense, state of the Steelers defense heading into the 2021 season. And before we go through position by position, this was a defense that was absolutely considered top three, I would say, in the NFL last season, probably top five the year before that. It's been a bit of a renaissance in Pittsburgh as far as that defense mm-hmm. has been concerned over the past couple of years. Uh, the only thing that's been a little bit non-Pittsburghy is that run defense, although it did show improvement this year. It was the best in the league at one point this year and kind of fell off towards the end of the season and fell more towards the middle of the pack, but it was still a serviceable run defense. Uh, But that being said, you know, two straight years in that top five, undebatably, as far as my mind's concerned, you've led the league in sacks three straight seasons. Mm -hmm. This might be, and I hate to say it, starting on the downturn for the defense. There's some holes that have made themselves open. And when I say made themselves open, I really mean that the Steelers might have opened up a hole on their own. Yeah. No, it's concerning a little bit, and you you don't have the confidence, I would say, that you should going into this defense. No, you don't. And, you know, I think you make a great point that the Steelers opened up some holes and um, some, you know, roster management things that they did. And, you know, getting Vince Williams back is a help. Obviously, that's one positive. And getting Alualu back when you thought you were losing him is a big help, obviously. But there's still holes. And, you know, I think you make a great point, too, when you said that this might be the first year on maybe the downturn, you know, is this defense going to be horrible next year? No, I don't think so. I think it's going to trend more towards the middle of the pack than the, you know, the top, you know, six or seven defenses in the league. I think it's going to trend more towards, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, more so than I do the top end. But that doesn't mean that they're going to be a terrible defense. But I think this might be the beginning of a, 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 I don't want to say a downturn because one draft defensively can completely turn it around, but it could be the beginning of, I don't want to say the end, but definitely the beginning of a, a great defensive era the last four, you know, five years, whatever it's been. It definitely could happen. And that's, you know, a lot because of the, I think the biggest glaring need and in, in hole is the cornerback room. And mm-hmm. I think it's right. I think it's really bad right now. It was apparent uh, in the offseason that the, the, the main headline for the defense was the lack of returning names, and Tyson Aluolo was the one exception to that of people who could have left. But And we saw in the draft how the Steelers kind of went heavy on the offensive, offensive front in terms of plugging in names and plugging in guys at, at positions of need, such as running back, tight end, and offensive line. They waited a little bit longer on the defensive side of the ball, so... Yeah, I mean, there's definitely room for concern when you lose a lot of guys that were starters or like fringe starters such as Mike Hilton, and you don't really use your early draft picks on those positions of need. Well, I was going to start up front, but you guys kind of set me up to transition perfectly into that cornerback room. So let's start in the back and work our way up towards the big dogs up front in that base 3-4 defense the Steelers like to employ. 
the cornerback room and also the safeties, the DBs. I mean, the safeties are solid. There's, yeah, there's not much yeah. to talk about there. It's a prove-it year for Terrell Edmonds, but other than that, you know, there's no reservations as far as the two starters at that safety position. If I'm going to poke holes in that, it's the depth. Right now, Miles yeah. Killebrew and Antoine Brooks Jr. are your backup safeties. And then behind those two are two rookies in Lamont Wade, who probably won't even make the roster, and mm. Trey Norwood, who is a fringe roster guy yeah. who was drafted very late in the seventh round by the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. So depth is a problem. Good news is, though, Minka has been an Iron Man, and Terrell Edmonds <laughs> has been an Iron Man yeah. so far in their careers. Those two have not had injury problems at all. I know they're still young, but and I hear Kellen knocking yeah. on wood over there, but... You know, as far as their availability, both of the safeties are pretty solid there. Yeah, they are, and that's one great thing about both of them is that, you know, you might every not have— Every Sunday you can count on Yeah, it. you might not have a ton of depth, but every Sunday you can count on those two not missing time and being out there playing the majority of the snaps. And, you oh, know, yeah, I mean, 100% of the snaps. Right, right. Like, Edmonds uh, plays all the snaps, Minka plays all the snaps. It's and just... if, if they need a blow just a couple plays off, you know, I'm not saying I'm in love with the safety depth, but— at least you have one guy that can play, you know, three or four snaps. It's not going to have to be, you know, an extended period of time. And hopefully that's why I knocked on wood. Hopefully it isn't because if, if Minka or, you know, um, Terrell Edmonds misses an extended period of time, oh boy, I don't really want to talk about what that safety room and guys getting beat over the top would look like. Because if you lose Minka, I think you really lose the identity of this, of this, uh, this whole defense. I really do. Yeah. And it's, That'd be crushing to see, considering the impact he made uh, just immediately upon his arrival just two years ago. To lose him to an injury would be crushing to this defense. I think, you know, the Steelers lost Devin Bush and they lost Bud Dupree. But with such a depleted cornerback room and with two stalwarts at the safety position as Minka, as we've talked about, Minka and Terrell Edmonds, you know, you could, I think you could afford to lose Terrell Edmonds to injury, but if you lose Minka Fitzpatrick, it's open season for opposing quarterbacks throwing the ball deep. You can't even afford Terrell Edmonds to go down. No, yeah, you can't. I don't know if you can. Miles Killebrew is going to step up and be the guy opposite of Minka Fitzpatrick? No, it's just not going to happen. You need them both to stay Dangerfield's still on the team, correct? Or did they let Dangerfield I don't see go? him on this roster, so hmm. I don't think he is. I don't believe so, hmm. but... I don't know why I thought they brought him back. Yeah, there's still wrong. time to bring in sure. other and maybe they guys. will. And, you know, people won't make it through training camp and we'll get cut in the preseason that Steelers might be like, you know what, this is a guy that could be our second safety right now. Mm-hmm. So you, you never know who's going to fill those spots in the future. But they need them both to stay healthy. Your corners, Joe Hayden is your starter on the left side. Right cornerback is Cameron Sutton, who is getting a promotion after I would say was probably the number four cornerback just last season. Yeah. Now he finds himself at number two, one of the starters. He'll get to have his head pop up on Sunday Night Football and tell all the beautiful <laughs> people where he went to school. Um, Behind him, Justin Lane and James Pierre, both going to fight for that Mike Hilton role. For or Excuse me, not that Mike Hilton role. I'm getting ahead of myself on another guy. But those two are going to fight for the role for the sliding in when Cam mm-hmm. Sutton goes to the Mike Hilton role and being on the outside guy i was referring to that might just be the dark horse that blows up the entire thing keeps cam sutton on the outside and he's becomes the mike hilton on that defense is undrafted free agent shakir brown who a lot of people had going in the third or fourth round in a lot of mock drafts yeah. for, for whatever reason he fell all the way down to the end of the draft steelers able to snag the michigan state cornerback and i'm not saying he's going to be able to be 
anything more than just uh, this guy can do what Mike Hilton did as far as blitzing the quarterback is concerned because that's something that they said was a major plus mm. when he was at Michigan State was his ability to get after the quarterback from that slot position uh, at corner. So that might be interesting, but uh, the money is on Cam Sutton bumping on the inside and having Justin Lane and James Pierre fight out for that outside spot whenever they do go nickel. Right, and that's kind of where we, you know, we were saying that causes concern because you're asking guys – that don't really have a ton of NFL experience to bump up and play a lot of minutes, play a lot of snaps. And I'm not saying that, you know, we haven't seen this sort of thing before and it hasn't worked out before because absolutely it has. But at the same time, it, it creates some question marks. And, um, you know, again, I, I, when you're relying on undrafted guys to come in and help, that's not the best situation in the world. And and again, we've seen undrafted guys come in and have success. So I'm not saying that it can't happen or it won't happen, but if that's your idea, those guys don't pan out more often than they do. They so, really don't, but you also don't really ever hear the hype about them like right. this guy. You know, that's you, true. You really don't ever hear, you know, people gassing them up like this and saying, Yeah, this is a guy that I would maybe pick to make the roster over a couple of their draft picks towards yeah. the end of the draft. And I mean, look, if he comes in and he can do that for them, that's a huge plus. I mean, that's huge. Uh, you can kind of not eliminate a role. And is he going to be Mike Hilton? I doubt it. Is he going to be the same and have the same production? I doubt it. But if he can come in and just fill the role and do similar things, that's that's huge out of an undrafted guy. Definitely. I mean, but that's, I don't know how likely that is to happen. It's not likely. Right? Yeah. It's not. And in terms of someone falling to the degree that Brown did, you know, when it's someone There's like, a reason why. Right. It, when it's someone like Pat Fryermuth in the in the second round or like you know, it's just because there are terms there are teams with certain needs. Or like and, a big fall was uh Cormoa, the linebacker from Notre right, Dame. Exactly. A lot of people said first round, Browns get him late in the second round. Exactly. Like th- there's no reason that you should be concerned that a player with first round talent or ceiling or 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 draft rankings is taken in the second round. When it's someone who's Rated in in the third or second round even, and they fall all the way to what the sixth, seventh. That's concerning. undrafted. He wasn't even yeah, drafted, right, and exactly. he was third. Third might have been high. Fourth round, maybe fifth round. Right, and you fall completely out of the draft. There's yeah. something there that teams are pointing a red flag at. That's a concern. And Steelers also took a defensive back in the draft before, before they picked yeah. him. So I mean, right. I would assume that Trey Norwood. Although, again, he's going to move to safety, so it's a different position. But you would assume that he was at least higher on their big board at that point yeah. in the draft. So. Right, and that tells you a little—I mean, that tells you something. A- absolutely. But uh, as far as Sutton and Joe Hayden, w- when they're not in nickel, you're putting a lot of trust in Cameron Sutton to be a, yeah, you're a walking, big guy now. You're, you're going to have to go ice. up against a top two wide receiver for the most part against any team. Yep. And you're on the outside where those receivers have a lot more of an advantage. And Joe Hayden— that's just a guy who, again, we talked about Ben in our earlier episode that you can check out at Steelers.com, by the way, when we talked about the state of the Steelers offense. You know, Father Time's going to come for him. Father Time's going to come for Joe Hayden as well. And you might have already seen it last year, although he did have a pretty solid season. But you just never know when that table's going to come out from underneath him. And now he is dealing with a first-year starter opposite of him as opposed to a good, solid veteran who started in Kansas City and then mm-hmm. started two years for the Steelers in uh, Steve Nelson. Yeah, I mean, it. it's tough, man. And again, talking about Joe Hayden, um, we, we keep talking about it and we keep mentioning, like, it is going to happen at some point. And, you know, I'm not saying it's happening this year, but you did. You made a great point that 
I think it happened last year. I think he kind of took a step back last year. That doesn't mean that he was bad or that he's going to be bad this year. No, but at some point you are going to slow down. At some point you're not going to be able to guard number one, you know, uh, <laughs> wide receivers anymore. You can't keep up with guys running four fours all of a sudden. That that happens all the time. Um, and you hope that this year, maybe more so than any other year that Joe Hayden has played in, you can't afford for him to have a a, a step, uh, you know, to be a step slower, to have a step back. You can't afford that this year, especially with only having, you know, Cam Sutton and um, Justin Lane and James Pierre as the only guys behind him. You can't afford Joe Hayden to have a step back this year. Right. If father time catches up to Joe Hayden in any significant way, yeah. I mean, teams are going to take note of that, right? Absolutely. Especially teams like Cleveland, especially teams like Baltimore and, and Cincinnati teams that are familiar with the situation going on in Pittsburgh. And it could be, it could spell trouble for the Steelers no doubt. early on. Is there any chance that if he still floats out there for a while longer and no teams are giving him the money that he thinks he could get? I mean, he didn't really want more money because he was let go by the Steelers. They didn't but, even talk about it. But is there any chance that maybe Steve Nelson would swallow his pride and come back? Or is that a bridge that in Nelson's mind would maybe be burned at this point? I mean, maybe in his mind it's burned and, and I could see where he's coming from. I don't from. know why he's not signed yet. I don't either. Um, I I mean, know. You, you, Especially now that we're more than a week after the draft. And it's just like, even yeah. if you did pick a rookie that you want to spin the tires on, even just see him in rookie OTAs, I mean, you're, you're getting hurt, a star, yeah. a guy who was... The number one corner for the Steelers last mm-hmm. year. He was better right. than Joe Hayden when Joe Hayden was on the field. So you're getting a guy who was a starter on one of the better defensives last year, yeah. and he's still just floating out there. It's weird. It is weird, and, I, and I'm sure he'll I'm sure he'll find he a will. home. There's eventually. no chance he won't play this year. But but I'm at just the saying, same time, you know, if if he still you know give it two three weeks or you know I don't know if it'll be that long. I think but the Steelers would definitely offer if yeah a cheaper if, contract. If it's two or three then, weeks, the Steelers just call him up and say, hey, you know what. Um, you know, you might not be getting the money that you want, but here, we'll give you something so you can play this year. And guess what? He'd probably be the two. There will definitely be a plan, too, if they if they consider giving him a smaller offer. Say Joe Hayden or say to Cam Hayward, hey, guys, give give Steve a call and just say, this is coming. You know, don't don't be so not prideful, but don't be so down on the fact that, you know, they kind of screwed the pooch earlier. It's a business. Earlier. Explain yeah. to them it's just right. business. Right. This is not they, personal. You know, you can do that with a guy like Vince Williams because you've established such a great rapport with him and you were the team that drafted him. But, you know, what does Steve Nelson owe the Steelers other than that one contract that right. they wanted out of? Mm-hmm. So that's where I think you got to switch. I don't think there, there would be any pause on Joe Hayden's part to if the Steelers do come him to say, hey, can you help us? To get us? the cap hit down? No yeah. question. I mean, no, I don't think he'd leave money saying, on the table. No, though. I'm saying uh, in terms of recruit, Yeah, to recruit and get Nelson back. Yeah, I don't I think don't... Hayden would pause ever. I mean, they were best friends on, on the Steelers roster. I mean, in the locker room, too. I mean, they were they were a duo. I mean, a, a team of dynamic duos, when we talk about Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt, it was just as much so T, or Steve Nelson and Joe Hayden. Moving up towards the outside linebacker spots, T.J. Watt. I mean, you don't really need to spend much of this episode talking about his state. He's defensive player of the year form as far as how he's playing and, you know, could have won it in 2019 and should have maybe won it in 2020. Actually, I reversed that. Should have won it in 2019. Could have won in 2020. Uh, Aaron Donald, of course, is a formidable foe, however. But he will be hungry to get that first depoy this season, hungry to break the Steelers' single-season sack record of 16 that he missed by just one last year of tying James Harrison's mark. Now he has an extra game in hand to try to to snap that record. 
Uh, but everything about T.J. Watt has just been gravy ever since they drafted him with the number 30 pick in the first round. Great pick by Kevin Colbert at the end of the first round. Great uh, pan out for the Steelers um, ever since then, and, and he'll just keep getting better and better. But it's the guy opposite of him that has all of the question marks, and that's Alex Highsmith. Yep. Second-year man out of Charlotte, was a rookie last year, had to step in when Bud Dupree went down, uh, had a sack, didn't really you know, put a – big rubber stamp on him being the next guy. But then again, he didn't do anything that really made him stand out as far as making too big of airs on the field. So solid as far as his little trial run at the end of last season. Now he's got a full off season of work that he can get to underrated aspect for second year players is because they didn't have all the rookie stuff last year. They didn't have the full training camp. They didn't have the preseason games do when, you think when, when Alex Highsmith stepped on the football field in to start his NFL career, it was game one, New York Giants yeah. in New York. Let's go. Didn't have the chance to ease into it. Now he's got a full offseason ahead of him. So potential's you, there for him. Do you think this year, like across the board, not just the Steelers, but NFL teams will say instead of rookie minicamp, they'll bring kind the of two say guys too. bring two bring in guys. like two year guys just to say like it doesn't have to be rookie, can be, you know, fresh or new newer guys. I think it's – correct me, I could be wrong with this. I, I think that you can volunteer to show up at anything if you're on the team. I, I don't know if you can participate in the workouts that the rookies are, but you could be around the facility lifting. I'm sure you can. I, mean, I don't know why not. I don't see why there would be a rule against that. I, mean, but maybe I, I think it's a smart but... idea to bring the second-year guys into rookie right. minicamps this year. I yeah. know that they have NFL experience under their belt, and they might think it's beneath them, but, but they're hey, still just, just some extra any, reps. Just some extra reps They're here. just still without any kind of camp in their life, in their pro career life, which is absurd. And they'll definitely get it this year, though, with mini camps and, of course, going back to St. Vincent's, as the Steelers had announced. The depth at that position, though, as always, is a bit of a question mark. Yeah. Quincy Roche, the linebacker out of Miami that they I took really in the like sixth him. round. Dale Lawley has a lot of things to say about him, too, as far as he was an absolute steal for the Steelers to get him that late in the draft. And, you know, it's a guy that I think has the opportunity to really surprise a lot of people and become the third guy in that unit and be the one that gives TJ or Alex Highsmith the spell. That's a lot to put on a guy who was drafted in the sixth round. But, hey, when we get to the inside linebackers, when Vince Williams was picked in the sixth round, he started that year. Right. So we're not even asking Roche to start. No. So I think it's definitely a chance. I mean, who who really is in front of him for that role? Cassius Marsh? I mean, uh. There's no one really there that he can, you know, worry about. I think that Quincy Roche has a really, really good shot to see some playing time a little bit to the same tune as Alex Highsmith did last year. Yeah, Highsmith was a much higher pedigree draft pick. Yeah, right? I, I think he does too. I think Roche's really got a good shot, and even if that's just playing, you know, eight, nine, ten snaps a game, that's huge. I mean, you have he's definitely a, a special team, and he's too. definitely a special team a team guy. There's no doubt. Uh, they're going to use him to be kind of a, a demon. He's probably going to play every special team, every defensive special team for sure. Um, and on top of that, if he can be a guy that spells TJ, spells Highsmith, you know, even if, like I said, even if it's just eight, nine, ten snaps a game, that's a huge plus uh, getting a guy that late in the draft. And, you know, oh, by the way, if something does happen, I'm not saying that I would be confident in Roche, you know, being the starter. But at least you have a guy that, you know, people are high on. I know that that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But, you know, for as late as they took Roche, I don't think you would be very high on a guy like that. But obviously there's, you know, he has an interesting set of skills. He has an interesting, you know, uh, skill set. And if if he can use that, 
Um, you know, just to even spell for 10 snaps a game, that's that's just gravy. Yeah, Kellen, I like your point about just bringing in some additional snaps because you think about it, there was no t- – when Bud Dupree was healthy – when sorry, when Bud Dupree was healthy, a little bit of a tongue twister there, there was no reason for Alex Highsmith to be on the field, right? If TJ and Bud were at full strength, at full health, there was no reason that Alex Highsmith was going to be brought on except in the case of an extra rusher with both of them already out there. So if you can rotate, if you can kind of find this – this comfortable zone of rotating the two guys in and out. I mean, you kind of just, you kind of save grace on both of them. You're not overworking either. You're not overexposing either. You're not creating more problems. You know, I'm not saying that more playing time would scare either of these guys away, but it's not putting the full load onto either of their shoulders. On the inside, that linebacker unit, Devin Bush gets his partner in crime back, Vince Williams, a la Tyson Alualu, although Alualu agreed with an actual team, whereas Vince Williams did not. He was still floating out in free agency. And he comes back to the Steelers. Uh, it was looking like Robert Spillane was going to be the guy that had to step in and be the number two to Devin Bush this year on that inside. But thank God that's not going to be the case. Now you have Vince Williams. And now this is a unit that I think has some depth, uh, maybe the most depth as far as the defense is concerned, because I do like Robert Spillane as a third inside linebacker, guy coming off of the bench, not your starter. And I think Buddy Johnson, who won't really see much playing time outside of special teams this year, but you know we'll have the potential for if uh, Spillane has to step in for someone who was nicked up for a game or if Spillane himself is nicked up for a game and he has to spell his snaps. I think he's definitely got the chance and the ability to do that coming from Texas A&M and a really solid defense and being really an anchor to that defense in the SEC last year. So uh, obviously Vince Williams coming back big. Devin Bush speaks for himself. He needs to have a year of complete health and really take that next step forward. But he's got the potential to be a superstar. He's got the potential to elevate himself to T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick status. And by that, I mean he's going to be an all-pro one day if he can just put it all together and stay healthy. But uh, again, the depth here is where I think the Steelers are at their best on this defensive side of the football because uh, one of those top two guys go down for a game or two, I don't feel like that middle linebacker unit misses a beat. No, and especially after bringing back Vince and then you know getting uh, uh, the the Johnson kid from A and M, I think that's really big too. And you know who knows what's going to happen? Who's going to be the one and the two? Um, you know, I guess we'll see what happens in camp. It's probably going to be a competition between Vince and Spillane. I would be ecstatic if Spillane was the three. Um, but I mean, I guess if, if Vince is the three, you could be in worse situations. You could be, you know, there could be a lot worse going on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the defense as a whole, maybe other than the defensive line, even though there's not a ton of depth there, um, I think your point's right, Tom, that I think it's the deepest, um, you know, it's the deepest room on that defense. But, um, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be all that thrilled with who the number two guy is. Right. And, yeah, there are names there, but the names that are there, as Callan just said, aren't necessarily the most comfortable guys that you would be – that aren't the most comfortable names that you would feel to see in that position starting, getting legitimate starting time, compared to how we said with the outside linebacker kind of rotating in a second guy with with, – between Alex Highsmith and, and the Steelers draft pick. Quincy um, Roche. Right, thank you. Quincy Roche. You, you feel much more comfortable with 
a rotation there rather than the rotation you would see it in inside. Up front, the big three up front for the Steelers, Steph Tewitt, Cam Hayward, and Isaiah Bugs. Well, it was going to be that if they didn't go yeah. out and have Tyson Alu-Alu flip-flop from Jacksonville. He now comes back and takes that nose tackle role right back. Uh, that's a really strong starting unit right there. One of the best fronts in the NFL without a question. Uh, Hayward and Tewitt are, I think, if not the best, their top three as far as a pass rushing tandem is concerned of those defensive end positions. And Cam Hayward and Tewitt do so much as far as mm-hmm. run stopping too. I mean, the, the the run stopping with the Steelers really starts up front as always. And those two hold a heavy load of that. Um, Tyson Alualu has been excellent since stepping in for Javon Hargrave. You could even argue that he was better than Javon Hargrave was yeah. last year in Philly for the Steelers this year. So they have a ton of talent at that position group. The only problem is there is some injury history with a guy like Steph Tuitt. And also, Hayward's been hurt before. alu has been hurt before. It's a lot of high impacts, a lot of car crashes you're going through on every single Sunday that you play. So injuries at this position are not uncommon in the NFL. And the depth here, I said the inside linebacker depth may be the best on the defense. This might be the worst depth as far as defense is concerned, although the defensive backfield has definitely given them a run for their money here. But you got Isaiah Bugs, you got Carlos Davis, Guys like maybe Cassius Marsh could put their hand down. Henry Mondo, Chris Wormley, mm-hmm. uh, Isaiah Loudermilk probably won't see any playing time this year. More of a, I feel like I get a sense he's more of a development guy mm, for them. They, they put him if they had a minor league team, I feel like they'd stuff him there for a couple years and then say, okay, we'll we'll talk to you when mm-hmm. you really start to fill out that body. But you know, any one of the big three goes down, and I think it could all go to excrement really fast. I guess the Best case scenario would be Alu Alu going down and someone like Bugs or Davis could slide into their natural position and try to make do there. But uh, if Tuit misses an extended amount of time or, God forbid, Hayward misses an extended amount of time, they are in dire straits up front. Yeah, they are. And I said that, you know, that the, the, the defensive line, while their starters are, are really good and it might be, you know, the best group you know, of the starting aspect of it for the defense, maybe other than the outside linebackers, just because you have TJ there. The depth at the defensive line is is pretty bad, and, and um, again, it was the same thing that we talked about last year. Like you can't really afford to have an injury. You couldn't afford to have an injury last year um, because of the guys that are behind them. And I know you know you draft the louder milk kid and what the fifth round you, you trade up to go get him, but I don't think he's going to play much. And if if he has to suit up for you this year and play starting minutes, something has gone really wrong. Somebody's out, and that defense. Goodness, I don't know what it would look like at that point if. Isaiah Loudermilk has to play considerable snaps. And I know that, you know, he can play some snaps here and there if, if need be, or if a, a score dictates it, okay, fine. But if he's playing actual meaningful snaps, that's not a good it's sign. It's not good. No, not at all. It's just a weird give and take because by far it's the best uh, starters at, at each guy. You know, it's three guys deep, but that's the unfortunate thing. It's only three guys deep yeah. beyond that. You're, you're, you're picking at straws there. So, if anything happens to this defense, if somebody goes down on any level here for a significant amount of time, do the Steelers have enough depth in your guys' mind to be able to maintain their status as a top 10 defense? Or are they riding that razor-thin margin where the starters might be the best defense in the NFL, but there is no one, their 12th man is just not good? No, it's not. And, again, you know, we made the point at the beginning of the episode that you're – 
kind of, you know, if you look at this defense objectively, you're kind of looking at them and saying, man, you know, maybe this is the beginning of them really slowing down um, and not being that formidable top, you know, six, seven, eight defense in the league. Maybe you're trending more towards the middle. And that's not bad. That's not saying that, you know, this is going to be a bleep show on defense. But, you know, if a couple injuries happen or if a couple guys slow down, it could be a bleep show. And if that happens, I don't know how this team's going to consistently win football games. I would bet that they would, you know, that the defense will stick together at least for this year and, and they will at least be competent. They'll at least be average um, at the very least. I don't see them falling off a cliff this year, but the possibility is always there. And, and I think more so in the future, it could be a real possibility if you don't make some moves. Yeah, I agree. That's going to do it for this episode, and that's going to do it for our in-depth state of the Steelers, both offensively and defensively, the offensive episode. You can catch that at Steelers.com. Thank you, as always, for listening. But we don't need to just get a state of the Steelers. We need the state of the rest of the teams in the AFC North, their rivals. So on the next episode of Steelers Standard, we'll look at the Ravens, we'll look at the Browns, we'll look at the Bengals. We'll give our thoughts on all three of those teams as we get even closer to the start of the 2021 season as each day passes. Thank you, as always, for listening. For Jacob Brecht and Kellen Gursky, I'm Tom Offerman, and we will talk to you on the next episode.